podcast. This is episode eight of the Equipped Podcast. That means for eight weeks we've been able to put out content and we've had a lot of awesome guests, a lot of good topics that we've talked about. I hope all of you have had a great week this week. Um, we're nearing the end of the semester for all you students. I have about this next week really is exam week. I had some exams last week, so I've been managing trying to get ready for those study pro- study for exams, doing projects, all of that good stuff. But I managed to be able to record an episode this week, and we do have a guest, another guest. We had a guest last week, and we have a guest this week. And the guest this week is someone that is near and dear to my heart, as it is my sister, Allie Hutchins. So she is my oldest sister out of three. Um, and so I'm going to let her introduce her herself. But Allie, yes, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're located, your job, all of that good stuff. Hi, thank you for having me. So yes, Colby mentioned I'm his oldest sister. I am 28 and I live in Birmingham, Alabama. I went to college at Sanford University. Um, You're good. Okay, I got an email, sorry. (laughs) I went to college at Sanford University and uh, moved back to Birmingham right before the pandemic in 2020 um, with my husband. And he is in Divinity School here at Sanford, actually. So we've lived in Birmingham for almost three years now. Um, I work in public relations at a large healthcare firm based in New York, so I work remotely. I've been with that company, Real Chemistry, for a little over a year. Really enjoy that. Really enjoy the flexibility of working from home. Um, And as I mentioned, um, my husband, Matthew, we've been married for a little over four years so we're here in Birmingham now, and we'll see where the Lord takes us after he graduates. But he graduates in May, so we are coming to the end of his seminary journey, which is exciting. Hopefully back to North Carolina, because Matthew's family yes. is also from North Carolina as well. So it would be kind of nice to have everyone back. But the healthcare field, so all of the Hales are really in some type of healthcare field with dad and healthcare. Kinley, my sister that's directly older than me, is in nursing school, Allie works for a healthcare company, and I'm looking to go into that field as well. So I don't know what it is about healthcare, but we're all just kind of <laughs> drawn to it. Um, so I how, was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So how has been? How has living in Birmingham been like from growing up in North Carolina? It's good. It's It was easier, I think, to move back here because I went to Sanford, so I was here for four years. Yeah. And I had some friends from college that were still here when we moved back, but like I said, we moved and then two weeks or two months later, COVID hit. So we were really stuck in our apartment for like six months, not being able to go anywhere. And that was really hard just because we really hadn't found a church yet. We hadn't made a lot of friends. So it was kind of lonely. Yeah. Um, but Birmingham's a great city. It's got some awesome food. If, if you <laughs> haven't been, I encourage you to come visit Birmingham. Uh, But, yes, as Colby mentioned, we're hoping to be back in North Carolina once Matthew graduates with all of our family. Um, Matthew's an only child, so I know his parents would love for him to be closer at some point, and we would love that too. So, But it's been a great great city for while we've been here. Two things. Sanford just got a big win yesterday, and their their playoff, I guess their – that was the second round, so they're going to the third round. Um, So that was a big win. And then two – or the the second thing out of that was – how long had you and Matthew been married before you moved down to Birmingham? Let's see. We got married in 2018. So we had been married like just over a year when we moved down here. So it was still pretty, pretty new. Yeah. So yeah. I can imagine going from 
getting married to living in Winston for basically a year and then right after that moving to somewhere that's eight and a half hours away during COVID and it's just y'all two was something that was a challenge and that y'all had to get used to. We sure did, yes. Yeah. And add on top of that, you're not able to leave your home because everything's right. shut down. Right. So it was, yeah, grew our marriage a lot. Yeah, and speaking of growing your marriage, there's been different insta- or instances in y'all's life recently that um, has grown y'all's marriage a lot. Um, and so just a little public service announcement. This this is an episode that I felt would be very good to talk about just because there are so many people, once we introduce kind of the topic of what we're going to be talking about that have dealt with this, couples that have dealt with this that a lot of people just don't know about. Um, this is something that necessarily isn't you proclaim to you know everyone in your life. A lot of your friends will know about it, but um, I, w- I want Allie to kind of introduce her story because she does have a pretty phenomenal story of how God has been able to work. But yes, it is a heavy topic, a heavy episode. So if we do get upset, um, just a, a little public service announcement. But the great thing is this is a podcast where we're able to be real and honest and open. And so um, I just wanted to kind of let y'all know before that so you're not confused if you tune in uh, in the middle of it and hear one of us like upset or upset or crying. But yes, Allie. Tell us a little bit about um, you and your husband's journey. I know that uh, as a most of us, we've all wanted to be parents in our lifetime, or if we're not married yet, that's probably a potential goal. So at what point in your life had you and your husband realized that you were kind of ready to have a kid? Because I know some couples might be pondering or wondering when the right time to go into that is. Yeah, so... When we were engaged, we started talk. We we talked about like how long we want to wait to have kids, and we kind of said, you know, we want to wait about three years to start trying to have children, just because I think it's really important to spend those early years just with your spouse and get comfortable with each other and um, spend time together to do. Because you know, once you have kids, it's hard to just go on a trip or hard to do things that you know are much easier when you don't have kids. So we really wanted to have at least three years, just the two of us. Um, and then we said, you know, when we've been married about three years, we'll start trying to have a baby. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what we, what we settled on. Okay. So it was more, I know for every couple, it'll be different because I think you also have to think about finances. You have to think about where you're located because kids are a lot of financial, they, their financial, not a liability is not a good word to describe them, but their assets, let's say that. Um, a fi- they're, yeah, they're, they're not necessarily bringing money to you. They're more taking away money. But you also have to think about the finances of are you going to be able to fully support a kid bringing it into this world? Um, and then, you know, job, location, where you want to be, if you want to be near grandparents and all that, all of that stuff. So um, I think that's a, a big thing to think about. So getting into your pregnancy journey, share, us, share with us a little bit about your journey in that aspect. Yeah, so I mentioned that we moved down here for Matthew to go to Divinity School. So that was a choice um, that we made. He had been at a church in North Carolina for a little over two years. Um, Long story short, God just kind of ordained that we leave that church and uh, move down to Birmingham, which was quite a journey because I had been at that church my whole life. So it was tough, but... Um, we made the decision to move down here for him to go to grad school. And that was a big decision because it meant that he was going to be going to school full time and we would be going from two incomes to one. And that was something that we really felt 
called to. Um, and it was going to be difficult, but, you know, we knew that God was calling him to go back to school. So we also knew that God was going to provide for us through one income. And he has, um, I, you know, have had a great job and love what I do. So it, it's been totally fine. But in 2021, we started trying to have a baby. Um, and we had been trying for about a year and they're just like, we weren't successful. And so I was starting to get really discouraged and I'm a naturally a very anxious person runs in the family. <laughs> if you can yeah. tell. Um, so I was starting to get really anxious and discouraged, but, um, you know, doctors that I had talked to just through normal physicals had said, you know, it takes a while usually. So we wouldn't start any testing until you've been trying for at least a year. So I was, you know, trying not to get discouraged, kept trying. And, um, in September of this year, uh, was thrilled because I got a positive pregnancy test. Uh, this was at the end of September. It was on a Saturday morning and, um, I just had not been feeling normal. And so I decided to take a test and it was positive. Um, and I was so excited and ran and told Matthew. And I think he was just kind of like, he was excited, but he was in shock, I think. Um, (laughs) and we immediately told our parents who were both you know, in tears because this would be the first grandkid on both sides. So they were super excited and, um, we were thrilled. Um, it was very early at that point, early on in the pregnancy, but, um, we were so excited and, you know, as the, as the mother who has this baby physically inside, um, I think you immediately like form a connection with the child and the love that you have for the baby instantly is just insurmountable. Um, so, you know, we were letting ourselves hope and dream about, you know, this baby and, uh, who, you know, would be born in June, uh, next year. So we were, we were really excited. Um, but let's see the end of October. So I had been pregnant for, I've known I was pregnant for about a month, but I was about two months long. Um, October 21st, I woke up and I wasn't feeling a hundred percent normal, um, so I didn't work that day. I just didn't feel great. Um, and I was starting to get really anxious, but, um, I knew that some of these symptoms were common. And so I was trying not to let it, you know, take over me and trying to be calm about it and trust the Lord. Um, but as the day went on, it became obvious that these were not normal symptoms and something was not right. And so, I told Matthew that we probably needed to go to the hospital. This was Friday night at that point was really in tears because I think for this whole pregnancy, I had, as I mentioned, been very anxious. And so I I was so scared that something was going to happen with the baby. And that was keeping me from being joyful about the gift that God had given me. So really, I feel like these fears were coming to fruition that night. And so we went to the emergency room and we waited for about three hours, which was just nerve wracking. <laughs> um, I got a bunch of tests done and we were called back about 10 o'clock at night, maybe nine o'clock, something like that. And the doctor came in and said, um, I think that you're miscarrying, but they couldn't tell me for sure, which was really difficult. And so he said, you know, I need you to go to your doctor in the next couple of days and get a test, test your HCG levels. And if they've gone up, then you're probably, it's probably a viable pregnancy, but if they've gone down, you're probably miscarrying. 
So, of course, that was just, like, the hardest thing ever. And I felt so bad. And, like, like I had done something wrong. Yeah. I want to inter- inter- uh, interject there. Um, yeah. I think the listeners, I think some the perspective is a big big thing here and I think that what the listeners don't understand was like she talked about we're in early December now but this happened about a month ago uh so the fact that she's able to be on here right now even remotely entertaining the idea of talking about a topic that most everyone doesn't know on a podcast that kind of just gets put out put out there for anybody to listen to is a very bold and strong thing for Allie to be willing to do and so I I initially had the idea for her to do it not thinking that she would say yes but as you can tell she's a really good communicator which is why I wanted her on here but um yeah I just wanted to say that you being willing to come out here to speak about a topic that is so heavy heavy burden on your heart is phenomenal and um just kind of, I guess, give Ali, get what I'm trying to say is just give Ali some grace as she's trying to get through this story because it is a, <laughs> it's a difficult story, but it is one of those that um, is well, well worth telling. So yeah, continue if you, if you'd like. Yeah. And I'll talk about later, I think why, why I'm so willing to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, anyways, after we got home from the hospital, that weekend, it was very, very apparent that I was miscarrying. And I was in so much physical pain. I've never been in this much physical pain in my life. And you just feel so helpless because there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. But um, you just know that you're losing the baby and there's physical proof that you're losing the baby, not to be TMI. But it's just, it's heartbreaking. And my sweet husband is being as supportive as he possibly can, but he doesn't understand what a woman is going through in this scenario nor would any man so it's not just Matthew but you know the the man doesn't form this physical connection with this baby and so he doesn't fully understand what it is I'm going through but of course he was there by my side the whole time so that Monday we went back to my doctor and they did a test and at that point we we knew that that I was miscarrying but I still had to go through the test at the doctor and I still had to get that call from the doctor that said we can confirm you are miscarrying. And so that was hard because we knew going into it that we were going to have to hear those words again. And that's just tough anytime you go through anything like that. So that was, like I said, about a month ago. And because I was so early on in the pregnancy, I was about seven or between seven and eight weeks at this time. And they wanted me to pass it naturally, which for those of you who haven't gone through this before, sometimes when you've had a miscarriage, what they'll do what's called a DNC after, which is basically where they, you know, remove the tissue from your body to ensure that nothing, that you don't get infected or um, that, that nothing unhealthy happens. But because I was so early and the baby, you know, hadn't fully formed, they decided to try and let me pass it naturally. But it had been about three weeks and I was still bleeding a lot and there was no, there was a lot of evidence that, that it still hadn't passed. So I went to the doctor late November and she told me this was my OB and she said, you know, they did an ultrasound, which was very difficult because that was supposed to be the first checkup for the baby. 
Um, but of course, when you go in and there's no baby and you know that, and they still want to do an ultrasound, it's really hard because you see on the screen and there's nothing there. So that's typical. Mm-hmm. But they told me that, uh, you know, the, the tissue hadn't passed on its own. And so they would recommend me having a DNC. So I went in, thankfully, the next day, and this is so clearly of the Lord. This was right before Thanksgiving, and the doctor happened to have an opening in her schedule that's that same week, very next day. And she was so kind and so willing to, to make time to do this for me. And so I went in the next day at 530 in the morning, and they did the procedure. And thankfully, it's, a, it's an outpatient procedure, and it's a pretty quick recovery. But it's it's emotional because, you know, at that point, you're not pregnant anymore. Mm. So it's hard. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's been about, you know, this whole process has been almost two months at this point. And I feel like for most women, it doesn't drag on this long, but for me it has. So it's been hard because you're, like I said, I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but it, it's drug on and on. And it really had to, to trust the Lord and day by day and trust that he's going to give me what I need for each day. Amen. Yeah. I think, one of the things you said earlier made a lot of sense of how Matthew has been able to be supportive with you through this. I think there are 110% guys do not understand this. Guys, <laughs> girls are are a lot more in tune with their emotions, and that's a great thing because a lot of guys, guys need that balance in their life because there's so many of us who are not in tune with our emotions that when you have a girl in your life that is, she can kind of bring you into that balance um however as a guy you are also in charge since she is your wife to support her and love her through thick and thin through better or for better or for worse and so as matthew also created that baby he definitely didn't feel the like as you felt the connection to it and i never i wouldn't have i remember talking to dad about it when we were just talking about like what was going on. Cause I learned so much about miscarriages that I had no clue about pregnancy that I had no clue about just because I had never had someone as close to me go through this. And so that was very interesting. But I remember dad and I were talking and we were just like, our heart hurts so much. Um, and it hurts for Allie and Matthew because they were the parents of this child. We don't necessarily understand the like, connection to the baby just because as a guy we're not carrying that baby but for you as a mom you were carrying that baby and so why is it that you want to share your story and talk about what you've gone through I think because as you alluded at the beginning this is something that is not talked about and for you know, I think, I think more people are starting to talk about it, but it's still not common. And there's just this negative stigma with women who have miscarried. And, and not everybody does this, but, I, you know, women who have miscarried feel like they've done something wrong, feel like they could have done something better to protect their baby, and it's their fault that they miscarried. And so for that reason, it's not something that you want to go around and broadcast, but you know, I have shared my story with a few people as we've gone through this, and I have come across several people in work and in my personal life that I did not know had miscarried. And because I shared my story with them, they came back to me and said, I actually went through this too. And because 
of my willingness to share, and I don't say that arrogantly, but just because of being vulnerable and wanting to share with them, they've come back and been vulnerable for me, and that has created a community of people that I know I can go to if I'm as I'm struggling through this, as I'm struggling through the spiritual aspect, as I'm struggling through the scientific aspect and figuring out when can we try again. You know, it's just created a community that I would never know have known that I had because this is not talked about. Yeah. So for me, it's I want to talk about it because I want to break that stigma mm. and also I want to have a community of other women and their spouses that I can come around, that Matthew and I can come around and, and know what they went through and better prepare for what we're going through and understand what we're going through. Yeah. So I think that's why I want to talk about it more uh, is just, uh, again, to break that stigma. And I know that's cliche language, but really, no, you know, the more people talk about it, I think the more comfortable women become in sharing their story and talking about it and acknowledging there is literally nothing differently that I could have done. And for me, that's really difficult because I, and you know this, Colby, but for those who don't know, I'm a very type A person and planner and, and organizer, and I like to get stuff done. And so for me, this has been hard because I, again, am, am wondering, is there something differently that I could have done to prevent this? Uh, did I eat something wrong? Did I exercise the wrong way? And, you know, my OB told me, when I went a month or so ago, she said, there is absolutely nothing differently that you could have done. This is so common. Mm. And someone told me, I think it was like 85% of women miscarry their first child. And that is insane yeah, to I, me. I did not know that. It, it's crazy. And again, this, that's not something that people say. So I did not know that. And so I think it's hard because, you know, you have to go through this, whenever we get pregnant again, I can't do anything differently. So I really, that really, you know, makes me have to trust God even more. But at the same time, it's comforting because it, it it's common and it's not just something that, that I'm going through, but there's so many women who have gone through this. So that makes me feel a little bit better, even though, you know, it's not easy. Yeah. I think that's so true because the stigma that surround and there's stigma that surrounds like, if you just think of the stigmas that surround the most common issues that we as humans face, so mental health as well, it's not talked about enough. And the stigma between guys and girls and their emotions and how guys don't want to necessarily talk about their emotions, but then also the stigma surrounding miscarriage, um, the stigma surrounding suicide for those who have walked through someone that has um, tragically taken their life of, well, I should have done something different or I should have been, been this way and that way. And, it all boils down to we live in a broken and sinful world and all of these things that we struggle with are things that are byproducts of that broken and sinful world. And so when we have a broken and sinful world and we are experiencing the different um, backlashes or causes um, of the world, one of the only things that we can do is simply trust God with the unknown. And this being unknown of your journey moving forward of, you know, well, when are you going to get pregnant again? Or um, you have every right to be, I guess, scared and confused moving forward just because of what has happened the first time. But I think as a guy, the stigma, it's not talked about enough between girls. And then you add the whole other aspect of guys. Guys know zero about one, pregnancy, and then two, miscarrying. Like, I, I have 
I have a lot of sisters and I, I've had a lot of friends who have gotten pregnant, family members who have gotten pregnant. And it wasn't until I walked, our whole family walked through this with Allie that I truly understood. And I, I'm never, I understand. I don't like to say that word because I'm not a female. I'm never going to fully understand. However, I can walk through these emotions with our family and with Allie. And it was just the things that I had no clue about. Um, like women, girls do have it hard like they do and i'm not i know as a guy a lot of guys won't admit that but they but they do and so you being willing to step on and break that stigma and face that challenge head on is what more people need to do so kudos to you for being willing to do that and i i want to ask a few more questions and then kind of go into the biblical aspect of this so um how has it grown you and matthew's relationship yeah this has been the hardest thing. And, you know, I alluded earlier to us leaving our, our first church and moving down to Birmingham. And long story short, that was due to job cuts, due to budget, due to other things. And so that was really hard for our marriage because, you know, I'm having to deal with my husband who was laid off due to budget cuts. And that was really hard for us. But after that, this has, and honestly, maybe more so than that, this has been the hardest thing that we've gone through as a couple. But it's also been so beautiful for our marriage. And I say that because we are eight hours away from family and going through something hard like this. And I told Matthew this, like, I just want my mom and dad to hold me, um, you know, after Matthew, of course. <laughs> but they can't because they're eight hours away. And but at the same time, part of me, and, and I told my dad this, part of me was thankful that they weren't here when this happened because Matthew and I fully had to rely on each other aside from the Lord. And there was no one else here to hold us or help us physically. So because of that, we fully had to rely on each other and it grew, it has grown our marriage so significantly. And I am so, so grateful for that as hard as it was to not have family here during this experience, it's been so good for Matthew and I's marriage. And I've, we've also seen the Lord come through our small group at church. We have such a wonderful small group and I'm so grateful for them. And one of our leaders, a couple of our leaders, uh, they actually went through a miscarriage, which again, I would not have known had we not talked about it. And so they've really been able to help us firsthand and, so I think between that and just us not having physical family here, it's been so good for Matthew and I, and we've really had to lean on each other. And so it's been really good for our marriage as yeah. hard as it's been. I think things in life are either drawing you closer or further away from each other. And this was one of those things that you can use to draw, you know, you closer to each other and the Lord, because I do believe God yeah. uses different things in our lives to do that. Um, when you get to a crossroads in life, you have that option. I was talking to a friend the other day that was in a long-term relationship and uh, it ended and we were just talking about like, well, what do we do from, what do you do? What's your next move basically from here on out? Um, we all have to heal from the things that we go through. You can either choose to heal from those things now, or you can choose to fill yourself up with things that you think are going to fill yourself up that could fill you up with and choose to heal later. And, it's God's desire for his children to choose him right off from the bat. I think a lot of people either 
who might not necessarily, it's general as a Christian, we choose and go to God when things are difficult. And it's one of those things that we need to go to God in all times and, and trust God in all times. And that means when God leads you into a dark room and you don't even know where he's at, you know, trusting God when you can't even see him. And so what have y'all, have you and Matthew relied on any scripture through this and in, in, er, particularly? Yeah, I think it's been different for each of us. And I was asking him about this last night in prep for this. For me, there's two different things that's, that stand out to me. One scripture, I was kind of going through the Psalms right after this happened. And, you know, a lot of the Psalms are lament Psalms from David and he's just crying out to the Lord. And in particular, Psalm 27, 13 and 14 has really stood out to me so much so that I wrote it on a sticky note and put it on my computer monitor just so I can see it when I'm working and be encouraged. But it says, I'm certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart be courageous, wait for the Lord. And I think it stood out to me because twice in this verse, it says, wait for the Lord. And we're so quick to, I'm so quick to try and make the Lord's plans happen or or rush him and be like, please, Lord, this is what I want right now. But here, you know, we're being reminded to wait for him. And, and David saying, you know, I'm certain that I'll see the Lord's goodness at some point. I don't know when, but I will. Mm. And so that's just been really encouraging for me personally. Um, but I've also seen the Lord specifically through a study that I've been going through. It's called Jesus the King, and it's written by Tim Keller. But it's a study of the book of Mark and um, really just understanding the kingship of Jesus and and him being the, the king of our lives, essentially. And there are several you know, there's, I I love reading the gospels because you really just see Jesus on display and him being fully God and fully human. But there's been a couple of stories in Mark that had stood out to me particularly, particularly. And one of them is Jesus and the paralytic man. And at this point in, in time, he has not done very many miracles yet. And people don't really know who he is, but he's starting to draw these crowds And people are really saying, like, who is this man? We really want to hear him talk and see what he can do. And at this point in in Scripture that he is in someone's house and he's, you know, sharing parables and sharing Scripture with them. And and it's so crowded that nobody can get in the doors. Nobody can get in. Nobody can get out. And there's a man who is paralyzed and is like, this man can heal me, but I can't get to him. So his friends take him up the stairs and they lower him through a hole in the roof. And he's just, you know, saying, Jesus, heal me. I want to walk again. And I I journaled about this about 10 days after this happened. And one of the things I, you know, I've read this story so many times, as I'm sure you guys have, have too, but it had never occurred to me that the first thing Jesus tells this man is that he's forgiven. And I tried to put myself in the perspective of this guy's shoes and say, like, if I am being lowered through a hole in the roof, I don't care if I'm forgiven. I just want to walk again. I've never been able to walk, and that's all I want. That's what I came here for. But Jesus, seeing this man and knowing him fully, because he's also fully God, is looking layers beyond the surface. And he understands that this man wants to walk again. But before he does that, he's like, you're forgiven. I've forgiven you. And he ends up, of course, healing him. And so he's walking again. But for me, it's like... 
you know, I was, I was journaling and for me behind the surface, it's like, yes, God can give me a baby. He can make me a mom, which is something that I so desire, but he also knows so much deeper than that and knows is trying to get, he's trying to get me to peel back my layers and really fully surrender this to him and understand who he is. And so this story was such a beautiful reminder of that. And he wants me to fully surrender regardless of my status of motherhood. He wanted this man to fully surrender regardless of whether he could walk or not. And he chose to forgive him and he's chosen to forgive me regardless of me trusting him and being angry and being sad, which is all the emotions that I've dealt with the past month or so. So that was just really a really beautiful story that God has used. And I've continuously come back to is just God wants to go so much deeper than, than, than the physical pain that I'm going through the physical, the emotional pain. And he's just trying to peel back my layers and he's using this story to really get me to surrender to him even deeper than I was before. Yeah. I think that's powerful because there's another aspect of that story too. I was actually reading that story the other day and it was what, what popped to me was just the faith that the friends and the paralytic man had in Christ mm-hmm. for them to seek Christ out because they knew that he was the one that was going to heal them. And I think that that was so powerful too, because it's that faith that God wants all of us to have in him because it wasn't like a, Hey, maybe he can do this. So like, let's just go see. It was like, Hey, if we can get in front of the Lord, like he will heal us. And I think that's the same, the same thing in the story of, of Job. When I was a little story, backstory on this, when mom, it was late at night, I, I had come home on a Friday and, um, right as I came in the door, mom was talking to dad and, you know, she was visibly upset because you were on your way to the hospital going, uh, to get all the tests done. And I was like, well, you know, why is everybody so somber? Like what's going on? She told me what was going on. And, but there was that like waiting period for the three hours that you were there that we just waited the rest of the night. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go, go get a shower. It's probably about 10 o'clock at night here since y'all are an hour behind us. Um, 10 or 11 o'clock. And mom came out and said that, all she said was that it was gone. That was it. And obviously I wanted mom to go be with dad in that moment because it was the same instance of Malin wasn't there. So it was just me at home, but I wanted mom to be comforted, comforted by dad because, you know, they're grieving the loss from a grandparent's perspective. And then they're also grieving the loss of, well, that's my daughter's child, you know? So I'm hurting for Allie and Matthew. For me, on the other hand, I was grieving the loss of, I know I didn't have a, a, an emotional connection with that child, but I know that my sister was, and her husband were grieving something that was close to her. And I hated that. So I journal, I know I've opened up a little bit about that on some of the other episodes, but I journal a lot when my mind is just confused or I'm not understanding or anything like that. And There's not been many times in my life when I've been journaling or I've called out to Christ and he's almost like immediately answered me. And I remember I started writing down in the journal, God, why would you allow Allie and Matthew to go through something like this, to have an emotional connection with this child for two months and then just to take it away? Like it just didn't make sense to me. I was trying to rationalize why God and his good character would do that. And immediately, immediately as I was sitting there, he put the, this, he, he spoke and said, basically look to the story of Job 
whenever I take away something, I always restore it better than it was. Like those are, that is what I heard. So I immediately wrote that down and I, and I, I felt like God was saying, you need to write this down. And I didn't know if I was ever going to share it with, with Allie or Matthew, but in that exact moment, the Lord answered me and gave me an answer to the question that I asked of why would he allow this? And he said, you know, for instance, look at the story of Job. Job was one of the most faithful men in the Bible. And when Satan presented himself in front of Christ, God said, have you considered my servant Job? Satan saw Job and he said, but you, you know, God said you can't take his life. He gave him parameters, basically. He says, okay, so he doesn't go take Job's, Job's life, but he takes ev- all the lives of everyone that was ever in Job's life. So his family, his kids, his livestock, all of that stuff. And then he goes and presents himself back in front of God and go, he goes, well, have you considered my servant Job again? And he says, well, it was only because you've been so good to Job as to why you know he hasn't cursed you yet. And he said, okay, then go take his physical health from him, but you can't kill him. So then he goes and takes his physical health from him. Not once through that moment did Job curse God and pull away from God. And I know for me, I probably would have been pretty darn close to it, if not have already done it. And so Job continued to stay faithful to Christ, and Christ eventually restored to Job tenfold what he had before. And I solemnly believe, like I had this peace after it that when I heard the news, and I was crying out to God as to why he allowed this to happen, and he gave me this answer. I was like, God is doing something so big here that we can't even see. You know, when we see a mountain, God sees a mountain moved, and God was is preparing you and Matthew for something so much bigger than y'all can imagine, and I don't believe that God, in his, his I guess, power would just take a child away from you to be cruel. That's not, that's not, God, you know, and so for those who are struggling with things in their life right now of not seeing God in your present circumstances, a verse that I pulled from Job was Job 42, 1 and 2, and it says, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And so understanding the purpose of the Lord, we're not always going to be able to understand that. However, God will eventually present that purpose to you. Um, it's just in due time and you have to be willing to sit down in that and the, the, the waiting period, like the hardest part of this whole process was when you were sitting in the waiting room for three hours, not knowing what was wrong. We as humans are very, very impatient people and we don't like to wait. And, but God can do so much in the waiting period of your life. You just have to fully surrender to him and allow him to do that. And I was telling my friend I was talking about the other day, I was like, dude, you can either heal from this now and trust in God and and trust that one day he will bring the girl that he has for you in your life, or you can go be filled up from the world. But the being filled up from the world is not going to give you contentment. It might give you satisfaction, but you're going to have to refill that satisfaction eventually. And so in the same situation with you and Matthew, y'all could have easily turned to other things, been bitter at God, not understood it, been mad at God. And I think those are all valid emotions and feelings. However, God knows your heart and he knows that you're hurting. And even in that same story that you told, another thing that popped out to me was 
um, in the story in Mark when Jesus heals a paralytic man, right after he says, basically, your sins are forgiven, you're forgiven, the Pharisees who were watching in on him at that moment were like, why did you say that? Like, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. And he says, well, it's easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven than say, get up with your mat and walk. And the Pharisees didn't even have to verbalize what they were thinking to God. Jesus just knew their heart automatically. And so there are so many instances that in the Bible when Jesus is, is doing these miracles where he goes and he just interrupts basically what the Pharisees are thinking and, and, and basically goes back. And it just shows that God knows our hearts. So God knows when we're struggling. God knows when we're hurting. And he's the, he wants to be there for to be a vessel of comfort to you. And so I think that that's so powerful that the response from you and Matthew has immediately been to turn straight to Christ. I think that's great. Well, yes. And, and I do want to say, by no means am I or Matthew perfect. I had dealt with bitterness and anger and confusion. But, you know ultimate thing you have to go back to christ right but those 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 emotions have definitely been there and i, sure. I don't want to convey that they haven't been because we're human and we're sinful no yeah and i think that we'll i mean we'll all make mistakes in in how we deal with things but ultimately it's god's desire for us to use him in every every instance where the good the bad the hard the easy all of that stuff to point back to him um and so the last thing i would say is there, the last question that I want to ask is what encouragement would you give for those who maybe have struggled with this and they don't necessarily want to talk about it or just for those who are maybe struggling with other things in their life, you know, how to lean on to Christ, how to lean to Christ through this. Yeah, there's for, for believers, there is another story that really stood out to me in the book of Mark. And I shared this with you already, Colby, but it is the story of Jesus has just spoken to a large crowd of people and he is getting in a boat with his disciples to go across the sea to the other side where there are less people. And while they're in this boat, Jesus falls asleep and there's a huge storm and the disciples are terrified and they don't understand why it's storming. So they rush to wake Jesus up and like, wake up, take the storm away. And Jesus just says, peace, be still. And the sea subsides, the waves subsides. And after he's basically questioning the disciples, like, why did you not have faith? Why did you not trust me? And in this study that I'm doing, Tim, Tim Keller's adding some commentary to this story. And he says, you know, the biggest storm in our lives, and to me, I think the biggest storm in my life right now is going through this miscarriage. But it was very humbling because Tim Keller reminded me through this story, the biggest storm in my life is my sin and where I'm going to go when I die. And that storm has already been calmed because Jesus decided to come to earth, be a human. And he was willing to have his father turn his back on him, die for our sins so that we could have eternity with Christ. And that is the biggest storm we will ever face. And that is a storm that God has already calmed. So if he's calmed that biggest storm ever, he's going to calm this, this storm right now that feels huge to me. But in the scheme of things, 
is nothing compared to my eternal salvation. So I say that to encourage people. It's, it's been a huge encouragement to me. And again, it's something that I still struggle with and something that I still feels like a huge storm. And how could my salvation be any bigger than this? Because this feels massive. But if God can heal and comfort us and calm that massive storm, it gives me so much hope for, for how he'll calm this storm. Yeah. And so I think that's that's one thing that, that I would say to encourage people because it's really encouraged me. It's just a really great reminder of how God has, has come and has come to save us. And uh, if we choose, we have the opportunity of spending eternity with him. Yeah. But in, 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 a, in the world with sin and in a world where we can't see eternity yet or what happens, our worldly circumstances feel so big. But God already knows everything, and he knows what's going to happen later. And he, know, he knew before I was born that I was going to miscarry this baby. And so it's just it's, – I, I draw comfort from that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's so good as God has already figured everything out in life and – we obviously struggle with it, but it's it's time it's time for us as Christians to be able to rely on God in every circumstance. Um, I think that's so important to remember. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all the questions I, I have for you. Thank you so much for being willing to um, share your story and just be bold with proclaiming you know why you do what you do and, and, and why you want to share your story. I think it's so powerful and will help so many people. So thank you for being willing to jump on here and do that course i um it's hard of course but i'm I'm glad to be here and thanks for letting me share of course thank you guys so much for listening if you have a moment in your week um when you're listening to this podcast reach out to ali give her some encouragement um her instagram is just ali underscore hutchins um and so go and do that she would i I would greatly appreciate it be very grateful for y'all to do that just as y'all have have done to me every week, reach out to her and just tell her that you're praying for her, um, just for her and Matthew's journey moving forward of where they're going to be located in the next year or so. And then also, you know, what they might be doing um, in the future. So guys, thank you so much for being a willing to listen. If you would like to reach out to me, feel free to reach out to the equipped podcast on Instagram. It's just E Q U I P P E D dot P O D C A S T. Um, I hope you all have a great uh, weekend and great rest of the week. I'll see you guys later. Peace out.